look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popowich. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? Look at you, drinking coffee, wearing your no pink tea. tea. I'm Is very it tea? civilized. Oh, today. you're civilized very, very drinking civilized. tea. So you're saying coffee drinkers are not civilized? I'm not saying anything like this. Uh, I'm just go. saying I feel very civilized you today. Sound like you're from the government now. That's right. You know how to avoid Running the, the question. Running for politics. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> just avoid the answer it. to the question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, listen, we got a really, I, I think, a really interesting show today because we had a very interesting scenario, a call from a client that led to yeah. a segment we're going to do today around what if you're named in a will as an executor? Yeah, COVID has really brought up a lot of things where people are are really thinking or isolated or, yeah. or in a home with somebody and they're having different conversations. Yeah. One of them is um, with people passing away because of the pandemic or not, and you get surprised that you're an executor yep. or you are an executor, you're like, can't do it. I don't want to do this or I can't, can't do this. Do right. What happens? Well, what yeah. are the steps? You've been named in a legal document. Right. What the heck do you do? What do you do? That's going to be one of them. And it's interesting, Dave, I'm getting a lot of phone calls as a certified divorce financial analyst. People are asking me, can I get divorced? I've been, there's been a lot of stress, anxiety, yep. pressure. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about how people who are handling divorce in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, wow, that sounds cheery and fun. But um, <laughs> before we get to that, uh, it is an important uh, topic. And you're right, unfortunately, things are, um, you know, we're seeing more divorce uh, as a result of this. And and it's later in life. Yeah. So it's it's, it's what I, we call the gray divorce, 50 plus. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Th- these types of pandemics or when you are, when you're really sitting down and I'll say stuck with your significant other, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. And sometimes it doesn't go so well. Sometimes and so, not so good. That's right. what happens. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about markets this week, too. Um, I'll tell you the, the most common conversation I'm having this week, Faisal, is about things are too, too good. Way too good. Does, it's crashing. We're dead. It's, go, it's over. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not even being all that dramatic. You should hear some of the conversations I'm having, right? Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the markets. There is some choppiness. You've got, you know, listen, the, the pandemic is what it is. We've got... We've got it continuing, the coronavirus continuing to uh, expand in the United States. That's a problem. That's the biggest economy on earth. It's significant for everybody, including us here, yep. because of the size of that economy and how central it is to the global economy. Um, we've got election uh, day coming closer and closer in the United States. And what that means uh, is we're seeing some of the rhetoric around um, the Chinese-U.S. trade relationship mm-hmm. again start flaring up. That's creating some concerns. And then you've got this ongoing um, conversation about further stimulus. We had the EU come up with a big stimulus package, announced that the U.S. is working on their next round of stimulus. Yep. Wow, there's a ton of stuff going on right now. And so there's a nervousness. Yep. People are calling you up. It's funny how they don't call me up when it comes to their nervousness. Well, that's because I'm the defense you're, you're the, the, the chicken on guy. The, you're right. the chicken on the team. Yeah. Everybody, whenever things go crazy, you get yeah, chicken. Yeah, I get the I get the calls. Yeah, and so... They, they, they call you up and they say, this can't continue to happen. There's going to be a correction crash. Something. What they say, what they say specifically is the market's going to fall. Hmm. And I think that's an interesting comment and one we should address today. Because which market? Which market? Is the it? one on TV. 
That's you know yeah it's it's interesting right it's the one a, they talk about on that channel right with the with the the graph <laughs> that one right and listen we're, we're, we're it's a little tongue in cheek here but but um, the point we want to make and that I want to make and the conversation generally leads into okay so what are you concerned about okay let's talk through that what's the implication of what your concerns are what kind of companies will it affect right. Is the bond market affected? Is the gold market going to be affected? Are the commodities markets going to be affected? Right? Yeah. Which so, market's going to be impacted? Which market? So it's it's a it's and, a, and generally speaking, Dave, most people will say stock market, and they'll refer to two major stock market indexes: right. the Toronto stock market and the New York or the S and P five hundred Dow Jones or Dow. And they're going to say, well, those markets are going down. Right. Could happen. Good. The question is, what are you invested in? Right. And so when they hear markets are falling. It's very interesting when the when the pandemic happened and there was a 35% drop in the stock market, our clients did not even experience anywhere near that number. Well, sure, because the portfolio wasn't comprised entirely of Those the markets. S&P index or the TSX index, right? So we, we are able to, and we had David Fingold on the show last week, mm-hmm. and, we, and he even said, look, if, if things are going to go down because of whatever something goes on, all the issues you just mentioned earlier, right. If you own good companies with good balance sheets that are designed for the, 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 the future, yes, they're going to be okay. Right. So looking at a pullback, what does that mean for you in your retirement? Right. And this is why we've set up the buckets. Right. When you have two different buckets of money, assets, investments, wealth, whatever right. word you want to use, and you separate them with two different objectives. I have one that's providing me cash flow that's not tied to the markets. So the who market, cares yeah. if the markets are falling in my income bucket right. because I'm not invested in the income bucket. Best analogy that I've used before that, that kind of resonates with some of our clients is if you never want to be bitten by a shark, don't go in the ocean. <laughs> I never want to see my portfolio fall when I'm getting my income. Right. Don't invest in stocks. Stocks that can yeah. fall, like they, just simple. Yeah, right. It's hard for people to understand that in the public that we are investing in two different buckets. This is why this strategy yeah. works. And clients sometimes forget about that. They come back and they just hear something on the news. That chart looked like it's going to go down. I'm going to call Dave. Right. Dave's going to calm me down. Right. And what's really happening? And yep. it's it's we can get into the all the nitty gritty of the portfolio and why it's not going to have that kind of volatility and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, they want to know that what are we thinking and what are we doing about it? Yeah, and and I think so. So one of the things I hope people take away from this segment, Faisal, is to think. Um, so so you start with this broad idea that you know whatever it is that things are going to something's going to go down. Start to think a little bit through that as you. Uh, sort of as you self-soothe yourself, right? Um, you've got to go through that thought process about okay. So why am I worried about this? Is it a valuation story, or is it the coronavirus flaring up, or does a lack of stimulus? What's, or like, what's the what's, catalyst? Yeah, we call it the thesis. But what are, what are you really worried about? Drill it down. Yeah. Okay. Can't be a gut feel. It's yep. got to be some data point or series data series that you're you're interested in, and then get your head around that, and then think through the implications of but that. But even right? if it's a gut feeling, yeah. Because you get that sometimes. Oh, no, I just I have a bad feeling about this, yeah, yeah. Dave, and I, I'm worried the markets are going to yes, fall. Yes, all the time. And so I've had those conversations this week with clients, and I've said, look, here is our playbook. Right. Here's what's ha- going to happen if the markets fall. Right. Step by step, what are we going to do? Right. 
here's what's going to happen if the markets take off even further. Right. Tomorrow, if there's a vaccine and it's ready to be distributed around the world, watch out for this market. It's going right. to take off. What do we do? Because it's going to be on euphoria. Right. It's not going to be on rational thought. Right. So it can happen on both ends. So yep. what do you do if things take off and do uh, go really high? What happens if it goes low? And what's your base case theory? It's going to happen right now. Right. As long as you have a playbook and you know which direction you want to go and you can articulate that to our to your client. Yeah. And if you're a client or yeah. you're an investor, you, yourself, yeah. you need to understand what the playbook is so that when it happens, you know what to do right. or what will happen. Yeah. And the reason you diversify a portfolio phase, as we know, is is because even if everything in that portfolio was to fall, everything, mm -hmm. there's a relative trade to take place. Yeah. Right? So let's assume that things just go crazy and the stock markets fall, everything else falls, but bonds fell 3% and the stock market fell 30%. What should you, do you have dry powder? Is it a timing bet that you have to make? It's not. There's a relative trade to do, right? Correct. So the playbook is super important. Have the idea, understand your whatever your parameters, your data inputs, right? And understand what you're going to do both up and down. Both up and down, right? Everybody forgets about the up. Correct. You got to know when to take some profits. Because th those clients who called you up and said, I'm worried about this going down, if this market takes off another 10%, mm -hmm. the stock market goes up another 10%, they might have a different opinion at that point in time or they might be concerned even more. Right. So what do you do? Well, right. we've got a playbook. Right, yeah. We've articulated what our playbook is. Right. So... Understand why we're doing what we're doing is one thing, but rest assured we have a plan and a playbook. Yeah. That's the key thing. If anything you got out of this this whole 10-minute conversation, yeah. have a playbook. Have a playbook. That's right. And understand the premise. Okay. Let's, uh, enough said. We, we'll talk about all this at our upcoming seminar because we got to make some, or webinar, I guess, we got to make some sense of this and put it in the context of a full lifestyle plan. We are going to give you the strategy on how to bulletproof your retirement using a asset dedication strategy and a five-pillar investment strategy approach that matches this whole concept of playbook. It's going to be on Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m., live online. But you need to go to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Some relationships have been strained during this period of time. After the break, we're going to talk to Sharon Numeral uh, about divorce during the pandemic. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, Faisal, there's been a whole bunch of different outcomes uh, from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the unfortunate ones is that um, relationships have been strained and some of them are going to be ending. And, and the relationships that are being strained, at least the ones, the phone calls that I'm getting, mm -hmm. are those over the age of 50. Right. 20 plus year marriages. Yep. We call it gray divorce. Yep. Long term marriages are, are being. Uh, basically broken down. Yep. And, and so like, what's happening? What's going on here? I'm seeing right. more calls now right. than in the last three months right. or even more than the, this time last year. Right. And so I think we need to address this. We do, unfortunately. And, and we've so, got a terrific guest joining us. Um, she's a recurring guest, Sharon Numero. She's the founder of Alberta Divorce Finances. Sharon, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're sad that we have to have you to talk about this, but it's a reality of what the heck is going on right now. And I would love to get, um, I guess, a little bit of input from you on, you know, how you think the lockdown has been affecting um, divorces. So if somebody is in the process of or unfortunately wants to initiate a divorce, how has this whole lockdown affected that? Yeah, I mean, I think 
that, you know, normally people uh, have their struggles, whatever they those may be. But then you throw in uh, a pandemic, which involved two spouses, partners, both having to most likely work from home. Mm-hmm. They if if they had children, their children are schooling from home and one of the parents has to be responsible for that, at least one of them. And now everybody's together on top of it all 24-7. And so whatever underlying problems there were, whatever, you know, might have graded on your nerves a little bit, the the whole 24-7, which in my opinion, I don't think anybody is meant to to successfully go through. I, I think it just sort of was the, you know, it just broke uh, people, unfortunately. Right. So what's changed in terms of the process? I mean, um, with these lockdowns, people have been able to get face-to-face. We've got these video conferences. There has been at least some temporary changes to tax or to uh, uh, to laws and legal process. I don't know how that's affected the divorce area. Maybe walk us through what the process looks like today, given some of the restrictions we're facing. Yeah, I mean, during, at least here in Calgary, during the pandemic, uh, courts were closed. So they were only hearing very urgent matters on uh, custody cases. So, you know, I think in partly it it led to um, better processes because people were forced to negotiate if they wanted to get through things. And I think after the initial month when people realized this is our new reality, if we want to get this done, we're going to have to move forward. People turn to things like, you know, Microsoft Teams, Zoom meetings. I did most of my work by Zoom. And, you know, in some ways it made it easier for people rather than mediating or having, you know, say four-way meetings with your spouse or partner, everyone in the same room. Now, you know, if you had already separated, you're in your own places, you could negotiate sort of from the comfort and safety of your own surroundings and you, you didn't have to be in the same room. So I found that in that area, it ma- it actually made things a little bit easier. Did it open up the conversations online to be more more direct or, or more open than many cases? You know, Sharon, you and I have worked on some cases where one of the spouses is not comfortable talking about things in front of the other spouse in the same room. Right. Did, that, did that open up the conversation more in, in these in these mediations? Yeah, you know, people seem to feel, well, I think, first of all, people wanted to get it done, right? I mean, it's, you know, especially if they were in the, in the same house. But I think people, uh, they felt a little... I'll say a little bit safer. And I'm talking about situations where there are no safety concerns, of course. So people felt a little bit more comfortable opening up. And people knew that if they wanted to move forward, they really had to to get this done a little bit more efficiently than perhaps in the past because those other processes just weren't necessarily open to them. Most lawyers were working from home. So it just, it was more difficult, but in some ways uh, made the process a little bit more efficient. So would you, would you say, Sharon, your experience through this, I'm very interested in your comment about you, there's no other alternative. Like if you want to resolve something, you, the two parties have to now resolve it because there is no impartial third-party judge that we can get in front of for this period. Anecdotally, would you say on the cases that you were working on that uh, sped things along and got to acceptable resolutions, saved families money as they were going through this process? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, some of the couples I was 
dealing with, you know, one of them was on CERB. So there, you know, the other problem was for a lot of families, it wasn't the same, uh, you know, disposable income to, to spend on the process. Yes. But yeah, and I also, I also found, which surprised me, was more couples, and I'm not talking about high conflict, but yes. average to low conflict, they were talking about things and sorting some things out quicker and without as much help uh, as, you know, in, in months and years past. Sharon, this pandemic has caused a big disruption to a lot of people. And one of the steps in, in the divorce process is calculations, the finances, either assets or income. When we have people who have been, who've been laid off or are on CERB, or those types of scenarios where their real income of what they have maybe in 2019 is not their 2020 income, that's changed. On the other side, the assets, when someone is valuing, let's say, their home, Calgary real estate market has taken a bit of a hit in the last few years, but with COVID, what you, how do you know what the true value of assets is? So the question really is, is what's the true value of income? What's the true value of assets during the COVID crisis? Right. So the, the income piece, there's, there's two issues. So one, if someone ha- presently had a court order in place, the only way to get that changed, even if your income changed and you had to go and serve, is to, to go back to court, which, of course, was near impossible during, uh, during COVID. But for, for everybody else, I mean, I had lots of couples who emailed me and they were able to just have a, a sane conversation. Hey, this is our income situation. The guidelines actually do say that it should be based on your current situation. Uh, if your past situation is not a good representation of what you're earning today. Yeah. So for, for most people, if you don't have it, you can't pay it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unless you're uh, ordered to. But for everybody else, yeah, there was lots of those negotiations taking place for sure. And in terms of assets, well, you guys would know, especially right at the beginning of the pandemic, when the markets, you know, really, you know, went down, it was tough. So I was saying to people, look, we can value everything. But I think when it comes to legalizing everything, if there's been a significant change, 15% or more, you got to update the values, uh, unless, of course, you're going through and splitting every single investment uh, directly in half, right. because otherwise someone's, it's just not going to be fair. Yeah. Um, if somebody was going to start the process now, so there's people out there who's they've decided, okay, enough's enough, we're going to start the process now. What, what, are the, what are some of the things that they need to consider? Yeah. Um, some, you know, some of the things are, you know, everybody... Right now, childcare is a big issue. That sounds like sort of a silly thing that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have considered. But I have a lot of couples. I thought, great, my office is reopened. I can get out of the house a little bit, do some in-person meetings. We have a really large boardroom. But I was really surprised to find that most people, they still want to uh, meet on Zoom, either because of childcare or because of the, the concerns over um, So. So it makes the disclosure process. They got to gather all their documents just like they otherwise would. And so now we're having to use uh, electronic methods, whether that's Dropbox or passwords, some safe method of providing all of the disclosure. So that's sort of a, a change, whereas you just sit and photocopy everything, you know, bring it mm-hmm, into right. uh, to somebody's office. 
And then the, um, okay, so the disclosure process, that makes a lot of sense. What about finalizing things in this period? So if you're, um, if you're getting through that process. Um, are lawyers basically yeah. signing off on documents yeah. and are we doing yeah. separation agreements so, well, right now? Yeah, till the end of August, uh, lawyers, real estate transactions, divorce, they're being permitted to, I haven't heard if that's going to be extended beyond the end of August. They were being permitted to do everything electronically. Right. So that made things really easy. I did quite a few mediations during COVID and they all got wrapped up within a, a couple of minutes, all legalized. Now a lot of the lawyers are back in the office for part of the time, and but still a lot are doing it um, electronically and, and no problem, like as efficient, or actually I should probably say more efficient right. than it was uh, prior. That's Sharon, nice. we have to leave it there. Um, thank you very much for your input on that. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've been joined by Sharon Numero, founder of Alberta Divorce Finances. Okay, my friend, let's uh, let's change topics because, uh, I mean, finances are important. We hope that you don't have to go through a divorce. Unfortunately, some people will. But either way, we've got to figure out lifestyle. Yeah, how does it all fit planning together? Planning the future. Right. Planning the future. And how do you plan for your retirement? We'll talk about that on Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m. live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. What if you're named as an executor and you either can't or don't want to perform that function? Stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. You had an interesting call uh, not too long ago. That's right. From a client, and it was a very sad situation, but that wasn't the real interesting part of the call. The interesting part of the call is that she was named as a co-executor on an estate. And, and so to give you a bit of a background of the family dynamics, mm -hmm. Dave, um, uh, the client of ours uh, was saying that she doesn't really, uh, she doesn't really get along or that close to her family members. Right. Her family members are in different parts of the province. Um, the the brother who passed away is uh, in Calgary, mm -hmm. and she was surprised to hear that she was a co-executive. Right. She didn't know. Yeah. So she and then when when the information was provided to her with the with a copy of the will, the first thing she did is she called us, mm -hmm. and she said, um, "I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I don't want to be an executor. There, there, there's so much stuff going on in the family that if I get involved as the executor, more problems will happen in the right. family. It's better that I walk away. Right, Faisal, what do I do? Yeah, how do I get out of this? Well, after I after I kind of cried a bit in the, in, on the phone, I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> let, let, let's get you involved and connected with some people. Right. And one of them is our guest today, Catherine Zhang, partner uh, for Wills and Estates at Walsh LLP. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Faisal. Thanks for having me. So, so Catherine, this is the question that many people will have. Some are surprised that they're an executor. They were not given the heads up. They may have forgotten that they were the executor. And they're like, um, I don't want to do this. Let's start off with what's the responsibilities of an executor. And then we can talk about if you don't want to do this, what do you do? Sure. Um, so the role of an executor, um, otherwise known as a personal representative in Alberta, that's our um, regular legal term that we use here, they're required to follow the instructions, basically, of um, the testator, so the person who drafted the will or left the will, they're required to abide by the instructions in that document. Um, 
the baseline responsibilities include figuring out what all of the assets and liabilities were um, that the deceased owned as at date of death and ultimately um, calling all of those in, satisfying those liabilities, which include CRA. Uh, and then once everything is um, squared away with all of the creditors, um, following a distribution schedule as per the will. Um, so that's the baseline responsibility they've got. Okay, well, let's talk about this. Um, I don't want that responsibility. In this, mm-hmm. in this case, this client did not want that responsibility, mm-hmm. but is named as an executor. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't you walk us through a little bit about what has to be done in order to extricate yourself from that? And if you don't extricate yourself immediately, mm-hmm. uh, and, you, and you accept that role but want to get out later, What's the Mm -hmm. difference between those two? There's um, a really big difference. Generally, what we tell clients when they call us um, is if you're not sure whether or not you're prepared to take on this role, and it is a really big responsibility, um, not only uh, in terms of, you know, filling shoes of, Uh, figuring out what you're legally responsible for doing and and following the letter of the law and also the will, Uh, but you've also got a responsibility to the beneficiary. So it is a really big task that um, people are often stepping into. If you're not sure whether you're up for the task, we recommend baseline, don't do anything um, or don't hold yourself out to be the personal representative or executor with any anybody. So any of the providers, any of the financial institutions that might be looking to you um, or, you know, dealing with any of the house assets, do not indicate to anybody that, yes, I am the executor and here are my roles and responsibilities or I'm just looking for information uh, because what you do is um, you've inadvertently, if you didn't mean to do it, stepped into the role of executor and it's a lot harder to extricate yourself um, once you have represented uh, that you are that named person. So if you are named in a will and you think, you know what, I don't know that I'm up for the job, or maybe you already know that you're not up for the job, Uh, the statement would be, I'm not prepared to act, even though I'm um, named as executor under the will. And I think um, with that, probably having some discussions with the beneficiaries as to, well, who might they want to appoint or who would be next in line. So sometimes there's an alternate executor that's named in the will. um, And if that alternate executor doesn't also want to act, then the legislation kicks in and there is a formula for figuring out who has priority to apply. Um, And ultimately, for that person who is going to apply and seek to have the authority of an executor, they're going to come back to the original named person um, and ask for a formal renunciation because that's required from the court. Um, In order for the court to give somebody else the authority, they need to um, have confirmation that the the other named people or the people who are next in line with priority to apply have all stepped down and agree that they're they're either not going to act or they're waiving their right to act. 
Catherine, we have less than two minutes left before we have to go to commercial break. But uh, yeah. what if you're going through the process? You are the executor. Okay, I'm going to do my job. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the process, you're like, well, either for reasons for your personal matters or because you just can't do the job itself, mm-hmm. you decide to step away. What's What's different about that? It's a bit more of a lengthy process. Um, At that point, you have held yourself out to be an executor, and so at that point, you are going to need um, court approval to step down, Uh, and there is going to be some work involved in um, bringing everybody up to speed uh, at to show what you've done on the estate and also getting court approval. And typically that also requires beneficiary approval and consent um, to uh, basically sign off on all of the steps you've taken so that when you step down and somebody else steps into that role, everybody can be satisfied and comfortable with that transition process and with the liability that's involved. Okay, so it's not just as easy as waking up and saying, no, I don't want to do it. No, unfortunately not. And that's it's good for the beneficiaries because that just means that um, at all times somebody is being held accountable uh, for taking over and having authority of somebody else's assets. So being an executor is a big responsibility, it requires you to have some sort of skill set to do the activities, settling the, the liabilities, which includes CRA and so forth, and also distributing the the residue or the assets after the liabilities to the beneficiaries, which means you have to be comfortable doing that process as well. There's there's two things though, Basil, right, that we gotta you gotta keep in mind. So in this particular case, there was the person who um, identified the co executor without telling them, right? So I think people when they're doing their will need to think about selecting a person and you gotta have a conversation about whether they're the right person and will accept it. Yeah. Then there's the person on the other end of the line Right, who's accepting this responsibility, and Catherine's done a pretty good job of raising awareness that this isn't a, um, a uh, what I was going to say, a, a privilege. It's not a, uh, a thank you. It is a massive responsibility, That's and right. so both parties need to work together in order to ensure that that, you know, that that legacy process, that transition, yeah. is efficient, and effective, and it's not caught up in the courts and all those kinds of things, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Catherine, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us, shining, uh, shining a little light on that uh, topic. I think it's something that gets overlooked too often, so I appreciate all of your input. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We've been joined by Catherine Zhang. She's a partner at Will, or for Wills and Estates um, at Walsh LLP. Um, my friend, we're going to be talking about like this whole legacy piece is part of the lifestyle, the lifestyle plan, right? When you think about retirement, cleaning up, making sure the gift that you're giving is the way you want to give it. Correct. It's part of the conversation we'll be having at our upcoming seminar. Yeah, that'll be on Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, congratulations if your retirement income is secure. But now the real problem starts. Stick around after the break, and we'll tell you why. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, okay, here's a scenario. Okay. Second opinion. Person calls us. Yes. Bring in, sit down with uh, with their financial plan. Yes. Okay. Want a second opinion on whether or not the financial plan says they're okay. Yes. Financial plan says they're okay. Okay, so here's what normally happens. <clears throat> For those small portion of the population actually have a written financial plan. Right. Many of the listeners here that have done that because they've taken our, our advice on that by going to go get a financial plan completed... Many of them come to us and say, 
can you verify this is going to be okay, that I'm fine? Mm. So here's what happened. I looked at it and I said, okay, you know, you've got, you've got your income, your lifestyle being matched up. It looks like you can, the, the assumptions are conservative enough. Yep. You're going to be okay from an income or lifestyle perspective. Yeah, your retirement, based on the, your, what the income you need and the assets you've, you've acquired, say you can retire. No problem. And, and so no problem. With the, with the income that you want. Yes. Yeah. So then you see this, oh, thank God. Right. And then I say, mm, but you got a couple of more problems now. Yeah. And they're big problems. Yep. Welcome to being retired. Right. And welcome, welcome to doing well. Welcome to generating, creating wealth. Yes. Right? Welcome to success. Now you've got problems. Now you've got problems. Exactly. And so they look at me going, what are you talking about? they don't use those words exactly. <laughs> they use words I can't say on the radio. <laughs> and I go, okay, there are two other buckets that you haven't addressed in this calculation. Right. One of them is your health. As you age, what's the capital you'll need, the money you'll need to pay for the health care that you want? Home care, long-term care yep. facility. This whole COVID crisis has opened up our eyes to looking at certain things in a long-term care facility that we're right. going we're gonna to now use as a filtering process right. that we've never thought about before. So you're going to ask for, you know, you're going to ask for certain services, want certain services, you're going to have to pay for it out of pocket if it's not given to you by the yes. government. Yep. Where's that? Where's that plan? Well, how's it factored in? Right. And it does, in, in, right. in 99% of all retirement plans that I've seen from, as a second opinion, when I get those plans, they do not address the healthcare at all. No. At all. So the individual's thinking, hey, great, I've got my income for life, right. but I don't have my healthcare. Right. Okay? So problem number one. Yep. Problem number two. You've done a great job, you've spent, and you lived in your, li your lifestyle that you wanted in retirement, and then comes at the very end when both you and your, your significant other passes away. And Congratulations, you get to give millions of dollars away in a form of a legacy or an estate. Right. Welcome to problem number two. Right. So let me, this isn't the same case, but we had a conversation with a different client. And number one, shocked. So these are, these are good old-fashioned working people. Like they didn't hit the lottery. They went, they just saved. They did what they were supposed to do. And then when we project out in their financial plan, there was a very significant sum of money. It shocked them. Yeah. Right? And then it's, what do I, what do, I do with that? Oh, my God. Right. So, wow. Right. Holy cow. Lots of money. Well, it was shocking, first of all. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, got to get my head around that, right? Because they don't think of themselves as wealthy. Correct. But multiple millions of dollars makes you wealthy. You're a multimillionaire. That's you don't right. even realize it. That's right. Okay. Um, so then... That problem becomes very complex, doesn't it? Because it does. now it's not just about the money; it's about the being a good steward of wealth. I mean, where's it go? Yeah. So there's three issues that come up normally when we have these conversations with clients. Number one, most of our clients will talk to us say, "How much tax do I got to pay?" Right. Well, tax we can figure out. So yes, we'll give that number, whatever that that forecasted tax liability will be in the future. And we can work with a strategy to mitigate it or negate it completely. Right. That's easy to handle. Number two, um, I have family members, spe specifically my spouse. Right. God forbid something happens to me today. Right. I want my spouse to know who you guys are so that 
he or she can come to you, and then you guys will take care of it. Well, the background, the background on this is that typically what we see is there's one of the two in, in a relationship, one of them is the primary on financial. Right, and then on the investment side, yeah. not even the like, not, yeah, fair enough. On not the, the bill payments, side. but the, the 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 investment decisions and right. the planning of the investment right. side. Right, and so the complexity of having multiple millions of dollars for somebody who's never dealt with it before can be quite daunting. So I've got to make sure that person's taken care of. And so literally, it's I just want her to meet you, or I want right. him to meet you. Right, it's more than that. Right, you just want them to meet us. Right, that's all you want. Right, just an introduction, a high five, and we're good. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Right. There's a process. There's a policy you want to put in place that you make sure that the money has been given the same duty of care that you had while you were alive. Right. Because what happens if you don't? What if you just skip this step? What happens to the family? Oh, my God. Right. Think about thrusting that person all of a sudden into this world, and we've seen that, and it is terrifying. And 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 so you're, you've got this person who is not... Let's say, say the word investment savvy. Yeah. And they are now 100% dependent on the individual, in this case, you and I, yes. to just manage their money. That's it. Right. And I appreciate the trust, yeah. but never give this person that much, never give anybody that much trust. Right. Have a policy in place. Have something in writing that says, this is what you can and cannot do with our money because we worked so hard for it. And just because the one who's the investment savvy person passed away doesn't mean that this wealth should be treated any differently right. than when I was alive. Yes. And so that's the process. Right. It's more than just an introduction. Yes. So that's number two. Yep. Number three, hmm? how do I invest this money? Because typically... Well, let's talk about when you say this money. What money are you referring the to? The money that will be left over ah, okay. for... My spouse, the next generation, okay. charities, whomever my beneficiaries may be. Right. So already you're thinking about a different pot of money. It's not just one big pot. There is this is separate kind of capital. And that's exactly what happens. Right. It's always put it all in one big pot, cross right. your fingers, and hope everything works out. Right. There's a health bucket we talked about. You have to dedicate assets to that strategy. You have to dedicate strat assets to your legacy bucket because you're never going to spend that those assets. Right. You're not going to utilize it. So it has to be invested differently. Yeah. Or at least there's other options for, for money that's going to be transitioned intergenerationally. Right? There's different options than you than you have for the for the money that you're spending or, or investing for income purposes, that's right. right? Different purpose. So dedicate. And so dedicate assets for different buckets, income, growth, health, Legacy, it covers every major issue that people go through throughout their retirement. Yeah. And this is why a specialist is required. I, I was just going to say, and you and I have been talking about this for sort of for 10 years, right? And in, in we have put forward constantly the notion that, that the complexity changes when you move into retirement because you have a whole bunch of different goals and objectives with the money. Yeah. And so to think like you were thinking when you were 35 and just building wealth, it no longer applies. Correct. The complexity's gone up. So Anyways, when there's complexity, yeah. you need a specialist. Yeah. So what does a specialist do? We're one specialist team here on Retirement Transition, and we're going to tell you all about it on our webinar, Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right. Thanks for joining us on another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. 
We look forward to speaking with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.